Welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining us this week. It's hot here. It's so hot, but I've got a cold beer. We've got some great people here to have a great conversation with Marcus Baskerville. Weathered Souls Brewing is here with us. Thank you, Marcus, for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. And what do you mean hot? Instead of sitting in the 80s. I can't. You're right, man. I got air conditioner going here. I've got you guys got a cool kicking. spring right now. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Before we came on, I told Marcus it was 86 here, and he said that would feel like fall. They would need a jacket in Texas right now. Man, you got people baking cookies over here in their cars. Just like, lay it yeah. out, man. Yeah, that's. I was. I saw a couple weeks ago they were saying heat index. Like I think it got into the 120s or something. It did. Yeah, very and much so. I'm like 10 degrees more. You can just, if you like your steak rare, you can just leave it sitting outside and it'll, Man, be, it'll be there. For yeah. You. My dad came uh, for an event we had this past weekend and we went golfing Friday and it was like, he was like, are we playing 18 holes? Mind you, you know, this is 11, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, morning. Yeah. And he's like, are we playing 12 or all 18? Dad, if you don't have to play all 18, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Find you one of those executive was, nine hole courses right man because it was just way too hot find that's you go for the water hazard there not just your ball but you too just go right in there just keep hitting into the water hazard just keep going keep going i am tim dennis brian hewitt's here with me brian how are you doing sir i'm doing well like you said we're talking with marcus baskerville the co-owner of weathered souls brewing company we're going to talk about the black is beautiful initiative the national black brewers association and maybe we'll get into some other interesting things like seasonal creep and riding whales and things like that so uh but we also have uh mo mike nate mo i almost said it wrong again oh boys how how you doing i'm doing well you know marcus over there hopping in those water hazards on the golf course you all just need to have like a good old-fashioned uh water balloon fight or maybe even just throw down some drop sheeting and go on a slip and slide well, my kids, um, actually, a couple of weeks ago, I bought them a 25-foot slip and slide so Daddy oh, can use yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is for the kids. Let's get yeah, this for right? the kids. Yeah, for the kids. You'll yeah. love it, kids. Now get out of the way. All right. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Brian, you mentioned seasonal creep, and that's a trigger for me. You know that. You know that. Yeah. You know how I am with seasonal creep. And we're just into August now, but you know, in July, of course, that's when we start seeing the pumpkin beers and the Oktoberfest. It's when Walmart changes out the lawnmowers for Christmas lights. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, a lot of people look at back to school, meaning the end of summer. Y'all, we've still got almost two full months of summer left. So let's not prematurely end summer. But Marcus, I want to ask you, as it relates to beer or anything else, what do you think of the seasonal creep with these beer releases? As someone who loves beer, I've always never understood it, right? Oktoberfest showing up in stores and the end of John, June, July. Uh, you get pumpkin beers the end of July. Um, but from the, the aspect of a you know production side, I mean, you know, it's it's the first to the finish line. So if you're the first to market, the first on shelves. Um, etc. And, and people are seeing these beers, then more than likely they're the first person that they're going to start purchasing when it comes to those particular products. Um, so, I mean, I understand it, but it keeps getting earlier and earlier and earlier. And so you're going to start seeing Oktoberfest in April, the way that the trend is going, yeah. which I'm not really a fan of. Us personally, now, I was proud of myself because I got our Oktoberfest brewed in May. 
but it's still sitting in tanks and it, we don't plan on having our Oktoberfest party until September. Um, yeah, now, um, our distributor is going to go get said beer, but it won't be until the end of the, the end of August or some time frame. So it won't pop up until September. Uh, so for me personally, I try to stick to the actual seasons within beer. Um, as that's something personally for me that makes sense. (laughs) Right. Um, but on the other end of it, I mean, again, I do understand some of those breweries that do your seasonal creep, um, especially some of the larger branded ones that produce, you know, hundreds of barrels. Um, you know, it's one of those products that they have to get out because they're producing hundreds of barrels of other things. So yeah, it makes sense. That was, I've talked to other brewers about it. I've talked to distributors and, you know, it's really a game of, like you said, Marcus, getting on shelf first. As soon as, as soon as people want it, they're like, look, if you're not one of the first ones on the shelf, you're going to be sitting there at the end of the season because once Oktoberfest ends, those beers just, they just stop moving, you know? Exactly. And with beers like pumpkin beer, I think there's probably, I'm not alone in this being very, having, having a couple and being completely sick of the style. So whatever you buy first is probably the only pumpkin beer you're going to have unless you're really a fanatic about pumpkin. I'm a, I don't even really get it anymore, but uh, the, for the, the years that I did get it, it, it got really old really fast. So you get that first one whenever you happen to decide to get it, and that's probably all you're getting. <laughs> I hate pumpkin. I am not a fan of pumpkin. I have never been a fan of pumpkin. Uh, one of the things, like I said, when we open up Weather Souls, is you will never see a pumpkin beer come out of this location. It's been seven years, and I refuse used to do one um me personally like even growing up as a kid i remember i had a friend or a neighbor that lived next door and for his birthday he had pumpkin pie instead of instead of birthday cake because his birthday was on halloween and yeah i took one bite of that pie threw up over the entire table ruined that kid's birthday (laughs) all right and i have had nothing to do with pumpkin ever since so even like when it comes to pumpkin beers i can say i've probably had maybe three ounces of pumpkin beer in my entire life um i can't do it that see now i love pumpkin pie and all the stuff that comes along but it ends up going too far i saw trader joe's this been a few years ago now but they had pumpkin spice salad that was it was a bag salad that had pumpkin seeds in it and they said pumpkin spice seasoned croutons and stuff so i'm like y'all Look, when we're going after salad <laughs> and all this stuff, you know, like uh, I, I don't even like the lattes. I know that's one that's popular when when they come around the pumpkin spice latte. I like the pie. Yeah. I'm all pumpkin spice, you know, pumpkin pie. I'm good with. Um, I think Marcus, we did. We actually were looking it up. I think uh, ten years this year, Brian, isn't it that we did the infamous pumpkin bottle share? So Ooh. yeah, yeah, it yeah, oh. yeah. So we got to go to Marcus, and we probably had twelve or fifteen different pumpkin beers, and at the time enjoyed them. But I really think that was the turning point for us. I don't think Brian or I or other friend that was there. I don't. I think I get a little queasy anytime I hear pumpkin beer now, just because. What was that? That made me sick. Of the uh, yeah. yeah, Marcus, you want to come to our pumpkin bottle share? No, I do no. not. No, not at all. Not at all. Not that. Happen. That did uh, after that. Yeah, at the time liked them, and I guess too much of a good thing. Just like I guess some people have with tequila. But I, yeah. I don't think I ever got <laughs> sick on it. It's just after that, I'm like, no, that's enough. I, I've yeah. had a hundred percent of my uh, lifetime in supply of pumpkin beer at this point in time so it's just it's never been appealing since so i don't even yeah. i don't even hate them and i i like pumpkin pies at the right time of the year but i just pumpkin beers that i 
I go years. I've been, it's been years since I get, I get into any of them. I just oh. there's nothing there for me. Yeah, I mean, dealing with like especially generational wise, the black household typically doesn't navigate towards pumpkin. So even transpiring towards our beers, I don't do pumpkin beer. We do a pecan pie brown ale. Um, okay. To substitute the pumpkin beer, because typically within you know a black household, you're going to get pecan pie, raisin pie, or um, you get your um, sweet potato pie. Um, but it's very little that you see pumpkin. Uh, okay. So being said that, we uh, release a beer called uh, Claude's Pie Obsession. So if you guys ever seen the movie Life, when uh, mm-hmm. Claude you know went past the line and then he immediately went to the to the window, stole the hot pie. And so we have like a whole label designed upon that and do a pecan okay. pie brand new. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That, y'all, I, I have a self-imposed embargo on uh, Fest Beers Oktoberfest and our Fest Beers Marzins and Pumpkin Beers until September 1st. It's just my, my little way of fighting seasonal creep because I just feel like once back to school starts and once the pumpkin beers come out in July – it's like a speed run to the first year Christmas. They're going to be advertising Christmas mm-hmm. stuff soon. It's like, Hey, you know what? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cool stuff that happens between July 1st and the end of the year. Let's enjoy the 4th of July and then go on. Uh, you know, we've got labor day. Let's chill, you know, chill there. Have a good time. Uh, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. There's a lot between 4th of July and Christmas that we can enjoy. And we should enjoy, we should enjoy that. Time, but I'll make it through this, y'all. I'm strong. I agree. Here's here's something that's kind of been on my radar more recently with, with regard to seasonal creep. What do you guys think about the whole Christmas in July thing? And I'm specifically thinking about the uh, Great Lakes Brewing Company. They have they they bring out their Christmas beer for like a weekend or maybe like an event in July and then it goes away again. What do you think about that? Because that's kind of a seasonal creep, but kind of not the same. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of good marketing uh, for us. I mean, we do stouts all year long. I mean, so we do winter beers all year, technically. Um, but like, for instance, you know, our pecan pie beer doesn't come out until November, um, which is seasonal for Thanksgiving and et cetera. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, I'm not really a big fan of the early Christmas. I'm somebody... Christmas doesn't start in my household until after Thanksgiving, and it only runs into New Year, and that's it. No more yeah. Christmas. See, that's exactly, man, exactly. That's uh, I'm with you there, Marcus. I'm with you. I'm okay, Brian, to your question. I'm okay with a slight homage to Christmas in July. It's I don't think that's quite seasonal creep. It's like, hey, y'all, let's mm-hmm. do this. Let's have some Christmas beers. Let's enjoy this. My My mom and her two sisters were absolute insane. I mean, they were crazy. And one year they did a full-blown Christmas in July, like putting up trees, doing the dinner, giving presents. We did fully Christmas in July. It was ridiculous, and it was fun. So, you know, it's like if you've got some crazy people in your family to do stuff like that, I'm okay with that. You know, a quick, hey, bang, here's a little Christmas beer. Enjoy it. Let's get back to here is your regularly scheduled Mm -hmm. programming. So, yeah, well, I would awesome definitely guys. if I were in the area, I would definitely go get some of that Christmas beer. I, right. I, I'm down with no, it. Of course. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, yeah. Everything else. Yeah. Knock it off with that stuff. But uh, go right ahead, Tim. Yeah. And the people that may say that seasonal creep, all I got to say to that is that's different. Y'all 
that's different. So <laughs> yeah, we'll right. allow this one. But y'all, we want to talk about our beers of the week, and we want to thank our friends at the Nest for sponsoring this segment. Uh, they just had a big blowout. It was Chicken Wing Day this past weekend. Brian, half-priced wings, which with the price of wings now, that is uh, much needed. But they also have all through the week. They have some specials starting at like ten bucks, man. So if you want to go get some good barbecue and a beer, they're looking out for your pocketbooks too. Or you can splurge, man. Get you a rack or two of ribs. They're not going to mind. They'll hook you up there and have a good time. Huge tap list, wine, cocktails, even nitro coffee. The Nest, Kennesaw, Georgia. Go check them out. So for our beers this week, I think for the first time in a while, we all three have the same beer, I believe. So mm-hmm. this one was chatted about on uh, on the internet some earlier because of the name of the beer. It is from Parish Brewing, collaboration with Other Half, and this is called Okra. And uh, there is no okra in this beer. It is uh, an IPA. And let me see. I made a note on the hops. This has Nelson Solvin, Motueka, and Nectaron hops. And y'all, I gotta, I'm drinking this now. I started with this one. Uh, fantastic body on it. Amazing head retention. It's got a nice creamy head on it. Banging aroma. You know, I'm getting some uh, pineapple in there. I'm getting a little bit of of mango, which I think is common. I think that's something in the Nectaron. Marcus, is that right? With Nectaron hops, they they yeah, throw some mango there. Uh, it's a little mango. Sometimes you can get kind of uh, a little, yeah, a little stone fruit type of character type okay. of vibe to it. Um, you know, uh, kind of some peach. Yeah. So any of that gotcha. stone fruit vibe. All those, all those play well together. So I'm yeah. We just added some nectar onto a hazy today. Yeah, cool, good stuff. And then, of course, we had to get some weathered souls beers here. Brian, you have a vintage black is beautiful. I think uh, 2021 release from Monday Night Brewing, correct? That's correct. So get into that and uh, weathered souls, Marcus. As I mentioned, we found your long live the king here in Atlanta. So we we picked up some of those. That is an imperial porter with hazelnuts and coffee. So we're looking forward to checking that out. We've also got on deck Creature Comforts Lupulus. That's a double IPA from Hoofhearted. And I'm always careful about pronunciation on that. <laughs> Hoofhearted has Conky Dong 4-Up Evolution Triple IPA. And uh, yeah, so we've got a lot on deck here between us to, to enjoy. Looking forward to diving right into all of them. So, good deal. Marcus... We would love to hear how you got into brewing. What's your origin story? <laughs> um, competition. I'm okay. a very competitive individual. Um, so story, my brother started. Well, actually, we start, all started. So let me backtrack a little bit. My brother and one of my cousins got into beer kind of first. I actually had a cousin that's from the Bay Area that has been brewing for years uh, he's worked for Heretic. He's worked for 21st Amendment. Uh, he's been homebrewing for years. He is one of the original like uh, brew army people for the Brewing Network and all that type of stuff. Um, so he's been in the culture for a while. Me, my brother, and another relative uh, got introduced to beer eh, about 15, 16 years ago. Uh, craft beer, anyway. And um, it was like a way for us to kind of build up our camaraderie between family and hang out and go out and that type of stuff. So, you know, we always talk about diversity in beer, but this is a commonality that's been going on for years, right? We would be the only ones in the tap room. And I remember like literally going to a, a 
a beer festival in San Diego, and it was me, my brother, my cousin, and one of my best friends. And mind you, this was like the San Diego Beer Fest and what was that, 12, 13 years ago? Um, so that's like when San Diego Beer Fest was like one of the largest beer festival type of things. We were the only four black people in the entire festival. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Wow. So that's like literally the only four black people in the entire festival. And so seeing that, it was like one of those things like, oh, you know, we should start kind of diving more into this culture, seeing where it goes. And my sister, I got my brother, Mr. Beer Kit for Christmas. Well, beer came out horrible, as most Mr. Beer Kids do. And it was like one of those things like, well, I could brew a better beer than you. And so we actually ended up doing um, our first couple of beers together. Um, went all green. Um, the local homebrew store had this gentleman at the time named Zach Frazier, who was working there, who's this amazing IPA brewer in California now, and multi-awarded and stuff like that. But that's just to kind of like show like kind of, you know, the full circle of like what was going on at that time. And so we had started going there, buying grain, different things like that. And the first couple of beers we did were terrible. We did a Hop Slam clone. Uh, we did another type of IPA. I think we did a Honey IPA and something else. A couple over palatable and the rest of them were god-awful. So I ended up moving to San Antonio and took a promotion. I used to work for Citibank, uh, writing fraud policies for check fraud investigation. And I ended up moving to San Antonio uh, to do some training and stuff like that. And I uh, got in a car accident the first week I was here. So the money that I took from the accident because I was so close to the job site is I ended up upgrading my homebrew equipment. So even then, first couple of beers I did was terrible. I almost actually stopped brewing. Um, my girlfriend, mother of my children, uh, now um, basically was like, you spent all of that money on that equipment. Your ass better keep brewing. All right. Well, let me keep at it. So I actually remember the catalyst point was in 2013. And I had the honor of listening to Annie Johnson on the Brewing Network. And it was the conversation that won Annie won the Homebrew of the Year Award in 2013. Um, And so that was a very motivational moment. One, because she was from Sacramento, which I was originally from. But then two, she was the first woman and then first Black person to ever win Homebrew of the Year. So now it's like, wait, I got somebody that looks like me from the same area as me, reached the pinnacle of beer, right? If she could do this, then I can do this too. Next beer that I produced was a heretic. Um, well, we won't say a clone because I had changed up some of the ingredients, uh, but it was loosely based off a heretic shallow grave uh, clone. So for their robust porter. That porter came out amazing, which is actually still our porter that I have on tap at the brewery now. Um, you know, that's been one of our staple core beers, but that was the first beer that I produced that I was completely happy with, ecstatic about, and could be actually be proud of. Um, so there, uh, started producing all of the things that I wanted to produce. Um, I got into dark beer heavy then, was already producing stouts, uh, getting into some barrel aged stuff. Um, you know, getting barrels from like, uh, Balconies, Garrison Brothers, Ranger Creek, stuff like that, uh, barrel aging beers and, um, even doing some fun like uh, kettle sours, and but was really heavy on like IPAs, pale ales, dialing down uh, blonde ale recipe that I had uh, that I used to call Give Me That Becky, uh, different little fun stuff like that. And so I grew kind of a following locally, like within the San Antonio like scene. 
uh, you know, I was doing fun beers that they weren't getting locally um, from any of the breweries locally at the time, producing styles that a lot of the the popular breweries from like California were producing. And so got a following this, um, this uh, bar called Missions Untapped. They're no longer open. Um, but this bar named Missions Untapped let me do a tap takeover. And I had five home brews, full five gallon kegs on tap. And all five of those cakes tapped out within like four hours. Um, wow. Yeah, it, I was like, well, that's crazy, right? <laughs> um, and so continued on bringing my beers to like local bars, restaurants, everything like that. I did a pretty good job at Citibank. And so at the time, I mean, we had always talked about wanting to have our like seat at the table, wanting to open a brewery, wanting to do something like that. But it was always in the back of my mind. Like it was never at that time, like a priority, right? Um, but had started heavily producing beer and this local brewery let me host the tap takeover as well. And so ended up putting three beers on tap. Same thing happens. All three of those beers tap out the same night. Um, that place ended up offering me a part-time job. So worked full-time at Citibank, being a fraud manager, working 40 plus hours a week, and then spending about 35 to 38 hours a week at this brewery, um, working, you know, from two o'clock to eight, eight thirty at night, uh, learning kind of the do's and don'ts of brewing, uh, transfers, SLPs, um, you know, CIPs, all of that fun stuff. So worked there for about a year, but never got to experiment, never got to have fun, never got to do anything that I wanted to do. And in all honesty, like at the time, the beers that this brewery was producing were average at best. And I wholeheartedly felt like the beers that I was producing in my garage at that time were better than the beers that they were putting on tap. So I grew very unhappy. Um, ended up quitting, um, actually. Um, and at that time, um, I used to hang out with my current business partner. We used to go to places like Mission Untapped and the, the breweries and stuff like that and hang out. And he was fully invested in the brewery that I was working for at the time. And I turned to him and I was like, man, when are we going to open a brewery? Because I've been waiting for you to ask me that. Pulled his money out the next week and we started working on that business plan like eight days later. Um, so that was, what, 2015. So we opened Weathered Souls in November of 2016. Um, yeah, uh, been a wonderful experience so far, obviously. You know, we have some fun accolades behind us, you know, James Beard nominated this year and, and all of that good stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of the, the origin story, how I kind of transitioned into beer and opened up a brewery. Um, you know, it was one of those things like at that point, um, once I started working so much within that kind of professional setting um and realizing how much passion like it brought me like for me to be able to work almost 80 hours a week and like not be exhausted uh was kind of that thing where i realized like maybe let me go into this field and and see how this works out um you know like a lot of people especially because we got into beer like right at the height of that like craft beer boom right right and so a lot of people got into beer because they just felt like it was easy access to make some money real quick either get bought out or go about their business and you know it was that type of thing uh for me getting into beer i knew based off of all of the brewery owners that i knew and and different things like that like man it's not that much money into it it's a lot of work you can make some money but it's a lot of work 
And so for me, it was more so about the passion project and, and wanting to bring a customer experience, wanting uh, to bring more of the what I feel um, I always call beer my art. Right. Um, people think that, you know, it's just production, production, production. Uh, but when you get into like a lot of fun styles, a lot of the the different things where there's so much balance to ingredients and different adjuncts and et cetera, like there is some artistic approaches, some um, culinary approaches to it that kind of expand just past that production level. Um, and so, now, yeah. speaking of the of the culinary approach, you'd mentioned this just a little bit ago, but the James Beard nomination. So yeah. What did that mean for your brewery and, you know, kind of how did you, how did you end up there? Man, that's crazy. Um, so I'm somebody that, again, I'm highly competitive and like 2022, I grew like in a space of like despair, not depression, despair, because all of these things that happened in 2020, 2021, and even 2022 were, I felt like, um, I was being very unaccomplished, content in the things that were like kind of going on, right? Things were kind of slowing down. And my sister, uh, she teaches mental health performance for the military. And um, she was like, well, you need to quantify what success is because you've had all of these wonderful things happen and you've done all of these amazing things, but you're over here still, you know, unhappy with progression. Like that doesn't make sense. So she was like, you need to quantify like what success is. What would be the height of success? And this is like, what was this? Summertime of 2022. And I was like, oh, it'd be a James Beard nomination. Like that would be the height. Because for me, like I know I make good beer and my consumers tell me I make good beer. My ratings tell me I make good beer. So those like JBF medals and all that type of stuff, it really means very little to me. Um because at the end of the day, like those are just accolades amongst your peers, right? Um, so for me, um, I've always looked at our brand, our brewery as being somebody that produces world class beer, but wants to also create a customer experience, also wants to have a great food program. Our Charlotte location has, you know, a cocktail lounge. So implementing different aspects of the customer experience to make it more than just a brewery. And so, um, for me, the James Beard uh, nomination shit, uh, my now goals, a Michelin star one day, those are the things that I care (laughs) about reaching, you know, the higher levels of what culinary is, what food and beverage as a whole is, because people always categorize beer as the low end totem pole when it comes to beverage, you always have spirits and wine and all of these things that flourish above it. But again, beer could very much be a culinary experience within itself, too. Um, I'm actually flying to Atlanta uh, to do a dinner at Third Wheel this weekend where one of my beers will be paired with a, like a dish. Um, but, you know, getting into those type of fine tuning aspects of what beer can be um, was very important. And so to see that nomination come um, was completely crazy because I, I highly believe about speaking things into the universe. And so... I always felt like it was going to come eventually because I'm speaking into it into the universe, but it came way too soon. <laughs> See, that's it. You got to speak it there. So I, I heard you say the Michelin star. We're, so we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how that goes for you. And, you know, talking about the culinary aspirations and just, you know, going for something better than okay there. You know, a lot of times I'm going to say back in the day, back in the day, I'm talking like the late mid to late nineties. <laughs> 
you had your brew pubs, but both the beer and the food were mediocre. No one was really mm-hmm. going for excellence there. And we had uh, a local chef here, uh, Terry Koval, who actually won the James Beard for Southeast for the for the regional chef. Okay. And prior to opening his restaurant, the Deer and the Dove, shout out to the Deer and the Dove, fantastic restaurant. Go check it out. Absolutely. But he was the chef at Wrecking Bar Brew Pub here in Atlanta. You know, mm-hmm. and so comes from that the the brew pub background, and then opened his own spot, and it's. You want to do something excellent. You're not just trying to throw a burger down for somebody, you know, to something to go with the beer. So really putting that that excellence in there. And we're getting I'm excited, Marcus, because this fall Atlanta is getting its first Michelin guide. So we, oh, okay. we've never had that. So we're we're coming up. So I've enjoyed the conversations online, the speculation about hey, who may get a star? Who might know? get one? Yeah. What are we gonna see here? So that's gonna be fun. And we're told that right now. The inspectors, or what? I don't know the uh, secret. Yeah, the, the secret shoppers—they're yeah. out there right now. Yeah. Okay. So I think if you're listening to this and you're in Atlanta right now, is a great time to go out and eat at Atlanta's best restaurants because they know those Michelin folks are out there and they're going to be, you know, minding their p's and q's. So it's, they, they got to be on the top of their game yeah. until the guide comes out because they don't yeah. have any idea what day someone's going to show up and be judging, yeah, you know, exactly. And, and, you know, we had a conversation on our local beer forum the other day where people are, one person said, if they don't have great food and a place for my kids to play and beer in this, then I'm just not going. And I said, I'm going for the beer. If you make great beer, I'm going to come see you, but it's nice to have that other stuff. And it's cool that we've got places here, like, like wrecking bar. One of my favorites that I shout out here a lot, good word brewing up in Duluth, Georgia, their food and their beer is both stellar, you know. So it's. Uh, I have to go. I have you, to go to Good Word. You have Saturday. to make it there. That's my yeah. only plan. That's my only plan for Saturday is good. to go by Good Word. Yeah. There you go, man. Yeah, you know, just hook up with them and get up to a couple of the festivals they do. They do the. That's um, the we were yeah, we're, yeah. we've been in their their festival uh, recently. Uh, cool. The Lager Fest. We just sent beer up for that. Did you? They were just I don't in our festival. Yeah, maybe they I were just in our fest that. this past. Yeah, they were just in cool, our man. fest this past weekend. Uh, I have a really good relationship with Todd and and that oh, crew awesome there. Guys, uh, man. So that is my main goal this weekend: making it to Atlanta outside of the dinner is to go by Good Word and, good and enjoy that experience. Now, where's your dinner, Marcus? I know you said it, but I missed it there. Third wheel. Third wheel. I don't Third know. Wheel. I'm not, not I don't sure know if a, I know that um, one. So I have a to... Mediterranean restaurant. Okay. Okay. Cool, man. Awesome. We'll have to keep an eye out for that for sure. Yeah. And, now, and maybe it may be in the process of uh, hanging out at Good Word. You, you can work out a uh, a collaboration brew because those guys, Todd is collaborating with people he does, all he the does time. A lot of good yeah, nonstop collaborations. Yeah. This has been something we've been talking about now for like two years. It'll, yeah. it'll <laughs> happen. Yeah. Good stuff, sure. man. Yeah. Good stuff. Now, you mentioned something which I, th- you know, is a big part of our topic today, Marcus. You were talking about going to the Beer Fest in San Diego and it being like you and your brother were the only, the black guys at the festival, the only ones there. I think in Atlanta, our perception of the involvement of the black community in beer is a little skewed because I think we're ahead of the curve here in Atlanta with, you know, black culture in the brewing industry. We've got yeah. Kentucky Brewing. You know, there's there's Hip and Hops that's got a couple locations. We have Hip Hop Heads that just released a collab. There's several others uh, in the works there. So we see a lot of people here in the in actually brewing. And then on the media side, too, we have several, like L. Mm-hmm. Sharpton that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mike Jordan writes about beer, and he writes about everything else. So 
uh, I think we have pretty good representation. Not that it couldn't be better, but when I hear about some of these other cities, I think Atlanta's doing pretty good. Now, of course, you're going to have a better overall view of that, Marcus. What are your thoughts there? Oh, Atlanta is definitely on the upper trend of uh, diversity for beer. I mean, obviously, everywhere could be better when you still look at the, the percentages, right? So, I mean, right. you, named sure. a, you, named a, you named a few breweries, but how many breweries are in Atlanta? Exactly. You're right. Fair point. One percent yeah. of the Fair breweries point. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, being said that, you know, it's definitely on the upper trend of things, but we're still a far way behind. Uh, but Atlanta has had a decent uh, black presence in beer for a few years. Um, you know, like we said, uh, dealing with um, some of the things that we did um, prior to me brewing, like we had a whole hashtag and branding called Brothers and Beer, and that kind of transitioned into a Facebook group, which now has thousands of black people in it that congregate and talk about beer and all of that fun stuff. But there's a lot of members from that Atlanta um, area that has been in that group and flourished in that group for, for years. Um, so there's definitely a, a huge well, I won't say huge, but there's definitely a larger presence of black drinkers and and black beer in Atlanta than a lot of different places, for sure. Okay, gotcha. And one yeah. thing we definitely want to talk about here, getting to that was just launched in May of 2023. You're on the board of directors. Again, our friend Al Sharpton is part of the board of directors there. Yeah. The National Black Brewers Association. Can you tell us kind of the mission of that organization? Yeah, so National Black Brewers Association, like you said, launched in May. Um, what the goal, obviously, is to give a table to black brewers, black ownership, and to grow their overall black presence within beer. Um, like you stated, you know, we're at less than 1% black ownership. You're at almost 10,000 breweries in the United States, and we're less than 100 black owned. Um, and even then, you start going into that. You think about minority ownership, um, you know, things like that. They might not even be majority black owned. Like my brewery, we're not a majority black owned brand. Um, so being said that, um, you look at the the very minuscule amount. Um, obviously, this organization is here to change that, to promote more uh, diversity within the craft brewer scene, uh, pr but provide a means of... Um, resources to provide a means of stewardship to provide means of education all of those things that have been lacking in the black community um to get them on the right path to beer and you think about it you know beer is very much comes from the black culture beer didn't come from germany it may have gotten streamlined and um processed in germany but the overall aspect of fermentation came from africa and you deal with the united states specifically all of the fermentation that we see in the United States came from Africa and from slavery and et cetera. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, they weren't brewing beer. Their slaves were the ones brewing beer. I mean, for me, even for my family, I found out that my grandma used to brew and distill during prohibition with her dad. Right. And, you know, my, her great grandmother, who was a slave's last name was Brewer. And we know how the majority of slaves got their last name was based off of the trades that they did prior to becoming slaves. And so seeing those type of aspects, even within my family and things that I didn't know, um, you know, this is something that is very much generational. But over the course of, of years, it's been something that's been taken from that community. Um, so it's very much so about education, knowing that this is something that is generationally, historically part of your culture, part of who you are and, and growing it from there. 
kind of on that note, Marcus, and um, talking about getting back into the culture, this is where it comes from. You know, it comes from Africa. You know, Germany, yeah, Germany's famous for beer. America's famous for its craft beer scene right now. Is there an interest level as high within the black community as there is elsewhere? Or is that part of the mission as well is is to getting more interest in craft beer? Well, that's definitely part of the mission. But then <laughs> we only got so much time. Uh, it seems stems oh, yeah, deeper than sure. that, right? Okay. Um, you look at the, the marketing aspect, you know, we can go back to the to the eighties and early nineties when the craft beer boom popping happened and marketing aspects, right? You got your marketing going towards the, the Caucasian community, you know, the white males, what's what's being marketed within the black communities. You got malt liquor and Hennessy. So you look at the differences of even marketing, what's been accessed within those places like shit, even me growing up in Rancho Cordova, like we didn't see craft beer there until, you know, the mid 2000s. Like you have malt liquor, liquor spirits that type of thing and so it, it definitely stems past just the overall interest it's one of those things that again you're historically or generationally built to not appreciate or feel like these things are for you you know you're never going to want to gravitate towards those things and so now the the culture of what beer is is opening up um, people are realizing what such a delicious beverage it was, you know, in those late 2000s. Like, hey, you know, we want to start getting into these things. But then also, um, you know, a lot of the gripes that you hear from the Black communities, the the not feeling accepted, walking into the tap rooms, you know, all of those different things are legitimate plights. I mean, there are things that I've experienced myself. Now, as far as opening a brewery, I've had it a lot easier than a lot of my peers in that sense. And so I always say that I'm not a good uh, representation of that because I literally looked at, um, you know, my business partner was like, hey, and he funded the whole thing. Um, so that's not something that typically happens often. But then you also go back into like ownership. I mean, speaking of that, going into like ownership of beer, how likely would it have been for me to go into the late 1980s, walk in the bank? and say, hey, Mr. Loan Officer, I need $150,000 to open a brewery. He would have looked at my black ass and laughed me out of the bank. So, you know, it's it's those things that kind of have transitioned over the course of time that has prevented us from being at a certain level within beer. But now we are at that kind of strategic point, kind of that point of realization that, hey, this is very much something that can be for us. Let's go ahead and try to put ourselves back into it. Very cool, man. So if we want to learn more about the National Black Brewers Association and support the organization as well as black brewers in general, Marcus, I'll admit that I get a little ignorant because I just go where I want to. I like the people I want to do mm -hmm. this and that, so I miss some things. But what active steps can we take to sh show support there? I mean, it's uh, definitely supporting black brands, uh, just being welcoming. I mean, I'm always say one of those people don't support people just because of the color of the skin. Obviously, when it comes to beer, you want to drink good quality beer, right? But those black brands that are making good quality beer, make sure you support them and, you know, that type of thing. Um, being welcoming in your spaces, like having me on your show right now, you know, those are things that you guys can do. Um, but then also, you know, just supporting the National Black Brewers Association, um, that type of thing. Um uh, you know, um, you mentioned, you know, the dentists of the world and the other individuals that are there, those collaborations, those different things that support them 
get them out, um, you know, put them in a space of um, success. You know, those are definitely the things that um, other individuals can do to assist outside of the monetary things um, to go ahead and help promote. Awesome, man. Yeah, we do our we do our best around here locally to support where we can. So that's definitely yeah. something we will continue to do there for sure. Yeah, but, life is yeah. definitely too short to drink bad beer, so we don't that's expect right. you to, that's to support right. everybody, Agreed. but support we'll the ones down. that are drinking great beer. Yeah, yeah, that's we get down a lot. We check out these collabs that folks do, and it's always nice to get down to Atlantucky and see those guys and and enjoy a beer or two. So that's a good mm. time, but. uh Y'all, we want to give a couple quick shout-outs to the people that help us make Beer Guys Radio every single week. Uh, we appreciate their support. And uh, Terrapin Brewery, we, we've got a festival coming up with Terrapin. We'd love for y'all to come hang out with us. August 26th at the Battery, live at the Battery Atlanta, and Terrapin Taproom are taking over the Battery. Uh, it's Once again, it's going to be a, a great beer festival presented by Terrapin Beer Company. You can come out for an afternoon. There's over 100 local beers to sample. There's going to be food vendors. There's going to be live music. We'll be there. And, Brian, I think that may be the debut of our fancy new festival tent that uh, yeah. that we just got. So we got us a nice, a nice cool tent that we're looking forward to setting up because we've always had to borrow. Other brewers have had to, to loan us tents. So we're looking forward to having mm -hmm. our own there. General admission tickets include Instagrammable photo opportunities, locally owned business vendors, Live music, lots of great beer. There are a limited number of VIP passes available now, which gets you early access to the event, an exclusive VIP area, where, which is where we like to hang out, souvenir tasting glasses, beer tastings, exclusive pouring stations, exclusive buffet, a private photo booth. It's just too much, man. It's just too much going on there. Sounds like August 26th at the Battery. And, you know, if you get out there before the festival, you go by... Uh, and check out Terrapin. They've got new beers on all the time. Right now, the latest they've tapped is their Terrapin's One Hopper Series, single hop IPAs, and the one they've going on right now is brewed with Superdelic hops. So go check that out. That is New Zealand hops. It's got mango, sweet berry, and citrus notes. And then on August 19th, they're releasing Triple Buzz, Belgian Triple. They brewed that in collaboration with former Braves pitcher and television broadcaster Peter Moyland. So they say it is bright. It's effervescent. It's a Belgian L with a sharp sting, 9.3% ABV, and sweetness from locally sourced wildflower honey from Grant Boy's Honey. And Peter actually has one of the Grant Boy's hives at his house. So he uses that. He's involved with that group as well. But Terrapin Beer Company, come check out Live at the Battery with some beer August 26th. We'll be there. We'll give you a sticker. We'll give you a handshake yeah. a sticker and we got a lot of and those. all that stuff. So yeah, we're gonna do it up. Brian, tell me about truck and tap. Truck and tap. It's a good thing you uh, brought that up because I was going right there. Good. So we talk a lot about uh, going to the truck and tap website, truckandtap.com, to see what's pouring at each location and what the food truck options are. But uh, what if you really don't know what you're in the mood for? You just can't decide, or maybe you want to add a little excitement to your outing. Well, that, my friends, is when you try a little something I'm calling truck and tap roulette. You pick a random number between 1 and 20. You head to your nearest truck and tap, Woodstock, Alfred, or Duluth, and uh, without checking the website. So you have no idea what you're in for. When you get there, you order the beer on the tap number you pick and grab a bite from whichever food truck is on that day. It'll be fun and possibly a combination of flavors you've never experienced before. So uh, you know, drop by truck and tap and uh, try it or don't. Either way, you'll have a great time. 
But if you do, you got to let me know how it went, what you what you wound up mixing together, because this could get really interesting. That so. doesn't sound safe. So we would ask that if you do that, you proceed with caution. Yeah, it's just right. pure madness we're throwing out here. But Absolutely. I'm excited by the possibilities here, Brian. And uh, I think the possibilities are endless. And every single time it'll be different because the tr- the uh, the taps are always different and the trucks are always different. So uh, it's, it's just open yourself up to the universe and just let something happen to you. It could be magical. You might even get an Oktoberfest or a pumpkin beer. Because no, it's oh, apparently hang that on. time of the year. You can get a mulligan on those. If a pumpkin beer comes that? up, okay, you can say, you know enough. what? No, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna re we're gonna re-roll the dice or pick it pick a new uh, random number from uh one to twenty. So that seems fair. That yeah. seems fair. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you to Terrapin and Truck and Tap for sponsoring Beer Guys Radio. All right. I think something we need to talk about now is the Black is Beautiful initiative. And uh Marcus, how did that get started? It went from I had never heard about it to I heard everybody in the world talking about it and making the beer. Uh, so uh, how did that happen? Um, so Black is Beautiful uh, was definitely something that was very organic. Um, you know, for the Black community, we're very much in civil rights 2.0 with some of the things that were going on. Um, you had George Floyd murder, Breonna Taylor's murder, and, and countless others. And I was actually on my way to Dallas to go do a collaboration with Turning Point. And I was listening to Brianna Taylor's mom on The Breakfast Club. And she was talking about the course of actions of her finding out how her daughter was murdered. It was one of those conversations that literally brought me to tears because I'm raising two young daughters myself. But even then, uh, over the course of my life, I've had friends that have had interactions with the police. I've had interactions with the police and et cetera. So... Um, I get back that weekend and I'm talking to Jeffrey Stuffings of Jester King and we're talking about, you know, our common text message theme at the time. He was just checking on me, seeing how I was doing. We're talking about like Trump relations, uh, family, all of that type of stuff. Um, and it kind of hit me at a point was like, all right, here we are. Um, I'm not going to any protests because we're in the height of COVID. And so I'm not putting myself out there. At that point, I hadn't even had anybody in my house since February type of thing. And we're in what, June or excuse me, July at the time. And so I felt like uh, disappointed in myself, right? Here we are at this pivotal point in history. And I look at, you know, the spaces that my uh, grandmother was in, the spaces that my father was in you know, my uncles and et cetera, and the things that they've done for the community and for themselves and historically. And it was like, oh, you're a disappointment. And then how are your daughters going to look at you, Marcus? You know, like you're just sitting here in the house, you know, scared to go out. And I was like, well, what can I do? I'm in beer. So let's create a beer, right? And I was going to do a standalone beer, release it and donate some money locally. I sent Jeff like the the mock-up of the label that I was thinking about, which was the Blackest Beautiful label before it is what it is now. And Jeff was like, I understand if you don't want to, but you should turn this into a collaboration. And I was like, you know what, Jeff, you're right. So over the course of that weekend, for like the next 24 hours, I worked on that uh, initiative front to back, came to my staff on Monday for our Monday meeting. And was like, this is what I want to do. And we launched a video like an hour after the meeting uh, talking about it. And I think originally I told my business partner, oh, we might have 250, 300 breweries participate. And I'd be ecstatic about that. 
And I think we ended up hitting that within the first 48 hours or 24 hours or something like that. Wow. And so dealing with Black is Beautiful, you know, what it was, was obviously a call to all of the breweries to participate in a collaboration, donate that stout, and then donate 100% of those proceeds to organizations, charities that support police brutality reform, social justice reform, and, and the in-between. Um, but I think uh, I actually had this conversation earlier. You know, I've had all these people since then contact me like uh, that are doing those different type of collaborations and stuff like that. Oh, well, how can we do to make it bigger? And how can we reach out to more people? And I always tell people like, you know, I was just the person that pushed the the beer. It was everybody else that did everything. It was all of the consumers, all of the people that were sharing the beers. I mean, the amount of media attention that it had, um, even the amount of breweries that were participating, sharing, coming out, saying things, um, you know, and then actually sticking to what they said that they were going to do. And that initiative raising six plus million dollars, you know, all 50 states joining in, 30 plus countries joining in. It was everybody else that moved that initiative. I mean, me and my uh, sales manager definitely had a ton of work managing all of that for about a year and a half. And it took me completely away from the brewery, took me completely away from my family. And it was like one of those things that I was literally spending 20 hours of my day on. Um, But it was very much so the people, the breweries, um, all of the individuals that took to heart the initiative that actually drove that to be successful. I was just the person that came up with it. So with that, with that success and the amount of time you put into it, you just, you just announced volume two of it, right? That, that yeah. This week so, or last week? Yeah. I thought I was done with black is beautiful. <laughs> no, but no, obviously, yeah, it. no, um, obviously with the uh, launch of the national black brewers association in May, um, you know, you have to have something of sustainability, um, financial security, and those things to kind of build up the size of this type of trade organization. Um, and so I had a conversation with Kevin Johnson, and um, we felt like, obviously, Black is Beautiful supporting the National Black, National Black Brewers Association was inherently the, the next step for Black is Beautiful, right? We talked about the long-term goals. We talked about um, wanting to have a seat at the table and wanted to talk about the disparities. And now this organization is here to change those things. And so dealing with Black is Beautiful, let's utilize the momentum, the the um, background that it's built. And hopefully, you know, those individuals that signed on for the original bat sticks to their uh, promise of wanting to do the long-term goals and then reproduces this beer to support this organization with the goal of raising $1 million in support of the National Black Brewers Association. So is this next version, is the style the same? Is it? Uh, no. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I didn't know. see the info on that. What do we got? Yeah. What do we got coming here? So obviously the first one was a stout in, or in June, right? And you had all these, what, um, 1,600 iterations of stouts that came out. Um, so this year, obviously, to set it apart, create a volume two, make it something completely different. Uh, this year is going to be a hazy IPA. Okay. And it's with uh, HBC 586, Nectaron, and Citra. That sounds good. Or Brian, actually, no, it's got not, not Citra, Strata. Excuse okay. me. Gotcha. Brian, do you want to go ahead and make the pitch for next year to be a rock beer? 
Yes, that's a great idea. See, I, you yeah, know what? I hadn't I even know, thought about, but it. some sort yeah. of a, a smoked a smoked ale. You know, uh, I feel it, about I, smoked beers almost like I do about pumpkin beer. Oh no, <laughs> smoked pumpkin beer. It's decided, man. It's, uh, I think loaded. Yeah. Another thing that's uh, you know what it's people love it in small doses, but it doesn't have like staying power as like a uh, all year release. But black IPAs, people love black IPAs. I'm I was kind of surprised you didn't go that angle because again in in like the limited releases these days, people eat them up. They just absolutely eat them up. But you know, like once upon a time, black IPAs, everybody was doing them, and you don't see them ver- very much anymore. So. No, and that was again the first collaboration that we did um, getting into beer was a black IPA with Mirage Brewing Company. Um, so that is actually a beer that I want to bring back on a, a different project um, in support of the original like uh, Brothers and Beer team and, you know, uh, kind of the things that uh, Mariah's did for us. I actually just did a post for him, I think maybe two weeks ago. I woke up. I do my best thinking on the toilet in the morning. That's when I come up with my Meditation ideas. Meditation time. Yeah, like, right? that's when I, like, seriously, I tell people this all the time. Like, when did you come up with that idea? And it's like, literally, the, you know, I have my little span of that's my best work. So I was writing in the post and I thought about it and I was like, man, like this dude, Mike Moraz, is literally like at the forefront of individuals that have been supportive for diversity in beer. Like he's one of the originals. This man took us in, produced the the black um, IPA collaboration, named it Brothers in Beer. He was the first person that accepted me in to teach me how to brew. He used to let me volunteer. He gave my best friend a job when I asked him to give him a job. Now he's a um, California's best brewery right now. All of these little fun little things behind him. And it was like, you know, without the support that he provided early on, I don't think, you know, we would be where we're at now. And so um, dealing with that, I want to do something special with that Black IPA and and do something in line with that project. Uh, And plus dealing with Black is Beautiful, I felt like that would have been a little too predictable. Um, And so dealing with a hazy, I think that's something that's in everybody's eh, most people's wheelhouse Most as people, far as pro- right. yeah, as far as producing and and can go ahead and create a fantastic product or utilize the recipe that we provided um, and make a, a good hazy for those that don't typically produce them. Yeah, that was my thinking when you said that, Brian, about the black IPA is that with an initiative like this, you want mass appeal. You know, you're not going to sell as many black IPAs as you will a hazy IPA or a stout. So hazy exactly. IPAs will blow out. So. I think they'll even outsell the stouts just because yeah. more people will drink them more of the time. I know that exactly. I am always looking for a hazy IPA. The one thing before we leave the subject, what did you think about people going all the all kinds of different directions with the original uh, Black is Beautiful project? Because I've got an Imperial Milk stout that's 11% over here that's Black is Beautiful. And I don't think that was the original recipe. Yeah, Are you cool um, with that or? that's what we wanted. I mean, oh, if you okay. look at the original website, we encouraged uh, individuals use this as a basis and have fun, be creative. Who the hell wants sixteen hundred of the same exact beers? The that's same not fun. Beer. That's you know, not fun. I do, I do got to say though, Marcus. Everybody that brews a beer, even following the same recipe, there's always some variance, some so differences. Yeah. Me being a beer nerd, I would love to have sixteen hundred of what's supposed to be the same beer and see the differences in them. Everybody yeah. else may not be game for that, but I think it would be kind of cool. So, from a scientific aspect, that would be kind of right. cool to see to yeah. see those kind of variations of of the the processes. Um, but for the sake of what this was and and the consumers, um, I wanted people to have fun. And then you got 
breweries like Side Project, Perennial, Finback, other half, all of these, Jay Wakefield, all of these producers that do fantastic stouts. You don't want them to stick in a bubble. Let them do what they do. Sure. Let bring yeah, your own point. Pr- do what you do with this, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, Marcus, uh, before we wrap up here, I just want to note I have opened up uh, your your beer here, the Long Live the King, and this is excellent. So, one thing I'm I glad always, it held up. What? Yeah, Brian's. If you're watching the live stream, you can't see this on the podcast, but Brian's showing the can right now. But one thing I like in this is that the the flavors are noticeable, but it's not cloying. Like a lot of times, people bring flavors to a beer, you know, the the nuts and such, and it's over the top. This is not. Yeah, um, that's one of the big things for us, um, or me in general, is balance. Um, yeah. So we utilize a, a ton of ingredients in beers. I think I even have a barrel aged stout that utilizes seven different ingredients. Okay. But if I was to name every single one of those ingredients as you're drinking that beer, you could pull every single one out and differentiate them from the next. And that's the important part when it comes to beer. If I'm spending the money to utilize the most expensive vanilla, the most expensive coconuts, hazelnut, coffee, um, all of these different and then Tanzanian coffee isn't cheap. So, you know, utilizing these ingredients, you don't want to build or produce a coin beer where you're only going to get one or two of the four or five ingredients if that's what you're utilizing. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I very much pride myself on when it comes to the beers that we produce is if we say that there's an ingredient in that beer, you're going to be able to take that ingredient. Um, you're not throwing Folgers in this one is what you're saying, right? So, not at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm very much a coffee drinker. Um, to me, I I hold to dear heart some of the coffee beers that we produce. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew we were producing... Great coffee when some of the, the top coffee stop producers in the country started asking me what I was doing to process our coffee. Um, I very much treat our coffee like cold brew. Um, it recirculates in a separate tank. Um, you know, it's only for a certain amount of hours. Um, it doesn't go past that point. It has to be recirculated cold. Um, you know, there's numerous things that go into the way that we produce coffee within that beer. Um, and so I'm glad to see that it held up because I'm also one of those people that if you're producing a coffee beer, you should drink it fresh. And that beer was produced, I think, last fall. Um, okay. so oh. being that, being that those ingredients have held up and balanced out, that's a, a good attest to my brewer that he's doing a fantastic job getting yeah. those ingredients. In. Yeah. I know it a just, lot of coffee beers. That I, I know a lot of coffee beers I've had when they get old, the coffee changes to like a green pepper. You start getting that green pepper. pepper. You start yeah. getting it. Yeah, and that goes into uh, the way that you produce and use that coffee. So us, we use coarse ground only. Um, that's going to individuals that use either liquid cold brew that can do that or people that use whole bean. Uh, typically, whole bean will end up producing those type of flavor points over the course of time. Um, so like I said, you know, trying to produce a coffee the way that it is, uh, pulling those lighter notes aspects. Uh, without pulling off flavors and, and things that go into it are kind of what's important when it comes to our coffee beers. Um, so we take some delicate time with that to make sure that it's correct every time. Well, it's good. I enjoy it. It is lot, good. Man. Very, very yeah, good, good stuff. So we all know about Black is Beautiful, that if someone comes to your tap room, though, what beer should they drink? What What's the one that's under the radar there? <laughs> I always tell people to start with the Hellas. Okay. Either Hellas or Swords beer. Um, Swords beer is probably my favorite beer on tap 
uh, during COVID time, I had Ashley from uh, Beer Sack come visit. Her and her husband came down. Okay. And, yeah. Um, she ran me through the whole process of lager. Um, that was something that I, you know, we are we're always known for IPAs and everything, stouts and et cetera. And we had decent lagers, but it was something that I wanted to make better, you know. Um, and so she came down and ran us through the whole lager process, uh, fermentation, uh, the math, um, everything. And so we ended up producing that beer together and it was so well done that that's something that we've kept on draft since 2020. Did, did, uh, they talk you into getting one of those float tanks or whatever? I know not they have, not, no, no. <laughs> no. Not, but not what's crazy, like actually when it comes to like, Oh my God. When it comes to like her production of vloggers, like the things that she gets into are things that you wouldn't even think about. Like, I mean, just as short, like she had a, her whole entire kettle come from Germany and it's produced out of brick. And the reason why she has this brick kettle is because she didn't like the way that her lagers were convecting inside of a stainless tank versus how they do in, in um, brick. And so she's converted, you know, her whole kettle to being brick to be able to mimic what she's seen uh, as far as what she enjoyed, as far as the lager process in Germany or wherever. I forgot where it was. But just those type of intricate processes that go into the, the quality of her lager is crazy to me. So is the uh, the Schwartz beer you're talking about oak aged castling by any chance? Because that's the one I had when I was there. Yes, sir. Is is that the same one? Yeah, was yes, good. sir. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even realize at the time that it was a collaboration beer. It was just on tap, and it was just an afternoon. It was a quiet afternoon uh, while I happened to be in town, so that's uh, quite nice. The, the, yeah. the good Schwartz beer. You can't go wrong there. It's uh, it looks dark, but it drinks so easy. Even easy, in, yeah. Warm four, yeah. Four and a half percent. Super easy drinking. Um, I got her to throw a little bit of rye into it. Um, to kind of offset it from that traditional style just a tad bit, but offer up, you know, a little something different within the, the overall mouthfeel of the beer. It, it came out nice. Like I said, it was a collaboration and ended up turning into basically one of our core beers. It does so well. Hmm. Sounds good. I love a Excellent. Schwartz beer. I'm all about sure. that. Awesome. Marcus, is there anything else you want folks to know about Weathered Souls or any of your, uh, <laughs> any of the things you have your hands into there? Yeah, um, obviously, uh, if you're on the East Coast, check out our Charlotte, North Carolina location. Right. Uh, we just revamped our food menu. Uh, chef Jameson uh, was taught under our executive chef and Gregory Collier, uh, four times James, five times James Beard nominee chef awesome. up in Charlotte. Um, actually, he has the number one uh, restaurant in North Carolina in Leon Louise. Um, so, Excellent, executing a fantastic menu that we just launched today with the new brisket sandwich, a beer can, a chicken, a chicken wings uh, for those vegans, a nice hummus plate, all of those fun stuff to kind of bring in that, that culinary experience to pair well with the beer. Um, outside of that, um, no, we're just always busy, always working. Um, we have a fun announcement coming for October for that Charlotte market. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We have a third tap room opening. I can't wait to share where. Um, I think now yeah. is as good a time as any to, to yeah, share that just, info, Mark. Just let, a, or, yeah, let us know where's now. Where's that new tap room coming? Yeah. I can't share that yet. See, we try. Region? We always can, try. 
Yeah. Can we get a region but though? Can it's going to be in Charlotte. It's going to be in Charlotte. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right. And um, I will say, prior to a recent buyout, there was a certain team that used to be the only majority black-owned sports brand in the country. Okay. All right. And we'll be working. We'll be working with them. Okay. Okay. All right. There you go, folks. I'm sure the detectives will get right on that to get it off. Some clues for you. Figure that one out. Good stuff. (laughs) And Marcus, where is the best place to keep up with what's happening at Weathered Souls? Um, Obviously, um, you're going to see the most attention on our Instagram. So Weathered Souls Brewing on Instagram um, and Facebook as well. But you can always check for um, updates on weatheredsouls.beer. Awesome. Marcus, thank you so much for joining and chatting with us. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me. You guys have a great evening. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, y'all, that wraps it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Make sure to come back and join us next week for more craft beer info. Again, thanks for tuning in. Y'all have a great week, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers.